From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Let me welcome you back to the Cannabis Podcast for episode 106. If this is your first time visiting us, well, an especially warm welcome for you. We're going to fill your head with a bunch of information about cannabis for the next 30 or 40 minutes. Before we get started, let me remind you this program is intended only for those 19 or older in your jurisdiction and is intended purely for entertainment purposes. You should always consume your cannabis responsibly. This episode, well, we have an interview with Mike Dolphin. He's going to tell us all about Nova Scotia's Ritual Green Cannabis. We got a story that backs up my opinion on CBD being psychoactive. There was a study from UBC that shows no increase in traffic injuries after legalization. On Cultivar Corner, well, we're going to sample some of that black mambo from Ritual Green. And I'm going to finish with an amusing story from pre-legalization and parents who had different perspectives on cannabis. All of that and more on episode 106 of the Cannabis Podcast. And I want to start out this episode with a shout out to all the cannabis reps that are out there. I know a lot of you are listening to the Cannabis Podcast, and I appreciate that. But many of you have made specific comments to me over the last few weeks about how much you appreciate the impact that the podcast is having in that I continually put out information that we all need to be aware of, and the industry continues to grow, and we try to highlight some of that. And it really makes me feel good to understand that just an idea that I had about doing something and sharing some information about cannabis has been adopted by so many of you. I'm glad you've jumped on board. Thank you so much. Let me shout out a few names, those I can remember. (laughs) And that could be an issue. Jason just met Jason this last week. And he, in fact, was the one who sparked the idea of he gets new people that are coming in to have a listen to the podcast to orient themselves with what the industry is doing. And I really appreciate that. So thank you, Jason. And Sam was actually with me that night that I had that cannabis-infused dinner, if you go back a few episodes, where I really got super, super stoned. So thanks, Sam. I appreciate you being here. Ty, Ty also pops into the store a whole lot. (laughs) Ty and Sam have now promised that we're going to be going golfing soon, so I'm going to hold to that, guys. (laughs) Jordana, of course. Sean, Lee, Jordan, Kaylee, Christine, Eric, Claire. Hey, if you're a cannabis rep and I haven't mentioned your name, and you listen to the show, well, send me a note. Let's fix that. Kevin, that's another one I can think of right now. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you if you are in any way associated with the cannabis industry, and you'd like a shout-out, send me a note to info at cannabispodcast.com. And of course, let me thank my current subscribers, Christine, Jordana, William. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support each and every month. And let me share with you the fact that my cannabis grow season is over. We're now fully into drying, curing, and harvesting. Or harvesting, drying, and curing. I guess I should put it in the right order. (laughs) As you are aware, if you have listened before, I harvested the space cookies, which was a cross of Afghan and uh, Girl Scout cookies. Harvested that a little while ago because it's finishing up, I think, the third or fourth week of cure and starting to nug up. I was finally starting to get some of those tight little nuggies that I've always talked about, but I've never been able to get much of. Some of that is starting to do it. Really getting good feedback on those who have sampled the space cookies. It has, has a pretty good taste. It seems to have a pretty good hit. And 
I have to think that one of the reasons why the cannabis that we grew this year is a little bit better is we used refertilizer. There was a bit of a debate between myself and my wife early in the season. Uh, she believes that the reason we lost our initial seeds is they got burned by the start refertilizer that we used. We contacted refertilizer. They kind of questioned whether or not that could have occurred or whether we had applied it incorrectly. Never really did figure that out. <laughs> Just kind of put that off to the side, but thought, you know what? I still want to try from the uh, grow and the bloom portions to see whether it will make a difference in the cannabis we grow. And I think it did. The The bulbs, the bulbs, <laughs> the buds that we got this year, big, bountiful, very fruitful. So that tells me that there's a lot more terpenes in what I'm doing this year. And even after the cure, as I mentioned, three weeks into the cure now, there's a nice nose when I open those jars. It's a really sweet, fruity smell, which I never had before. My weed never really had much of a smell. It, sometimes it had a pretty good effect, but now it really has a bouquet. And I'm pretty stoked by that. And that brings me to today, when it was harvest day for the AK-47s. They had finished their eighth week of flower, and they were really bountiful. Some of them were having trouble holding themselves up, so it was time to bring them in. Also getting into some really cool nights now, too, so I wanted to kind of bring in the flowers from that perspective. Brought in those. There was only three plants remaining, and wow. <laughs> those three plants filled up my eight-tray drying rack, and so now we wait, and we hope that we, we've kind of figured out. I got a humidifier. I realized that my drying space was a little too dry when we were doing our first uh, few plants. So got a humidifier to bring that up uh, closer to the range where we want it to be. And that's now in place. The AK-47s have begun their drying process and the next seven to 10 days will attest whether that's going to work. And then we'll throw them into their curing jars. And I suspect that they could be really potent too, based on my experience yet. So I have to say, I believe that the refertilizer has pumped up the quality, the abundance, the amount, and, and the robustness of the buds. I'm really happy with that. Plan to use it again next year. Properly flushed everything, so I'm not having any issues with, with blackness and the smoke coming out of my space cookies. And I'm hoping for good things on the AK-47 as well. So it's been a good year. I mean, in terms of bounty... Because I'm only growing just a few plants, I'm not getting the kind of bounty that's going to keep me in cannabis all year long. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but that's not going to happen at the scale that I'm growing it, and I'm happy with that. I'm happy enough just to, to grow some, some really cool weed, add some different flavors and tastes into my circulation, and uh, just enjoy the experience. It was fun watching it grow. It was fun watching it bloom and those buds just develop like crazy. And it was also fun cutting them down and sitting out on the back porch and doing just a little bit of wet trim, taking all those big leaves off and getting everything ready before I put it in the dry racks. And now here we go. So Harvest 2022 is complete. I'll let you know what the end result is with the product once the cures are done. From the Cannabis Infused Studio in the Clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And thanks to my buddy Ken from the South Okanagan who sent along this link for this story from actually UBC. A study finds no increase in traffic injuries after cannabis legalization. 
This is a study actually from November of 2021. UBC Northern Medical Program Professor Dr. Russ Callahan has found that the 2018 legalization of cannabis in Canada was not associated with increases in traffic injuries. Dr. Callahan and his team looked at weekly provincial counts of traffic injury emergency department presentations of all drivers and youth drivers in Alberta and Ontario, the only two Canadian provinces capturing all ED visits occurring in the general population. Youth were defined as individuals aged 14 to 17 years in Alberta and 16 to 18 in Ontario. The project reviewed all Ontario and Alberta emergency department data from April 1, 2015 to December 31, 2019. The team found that immediately after cannabis legalization, there was no evidence of significant changes in traffic injury emergency department visits among all drivers or youth drivers. Implementation of cannabis legalization has raised a common concern that such legislation might increase traffic-related harms, especially among youth, says Dr. Callahan. Our results, however, show no evidence that legalization was associated with significant changes in emergency department traffic injury presentations. Our findings are somewhat surprising, says Dr. Callahan. I predicted that legalization would increase cannabis use and cannabis-impaired driving in the population, and that this pattern would lead to increases in traffic injury presentations to emergency departments. It is possible that our results may be due to the deterrent effects of stricter federal legalization, such as Bill C-46, coming into force shortly after cannabis legalization. These new traffic safety laws impose more severe penalties for impaired driving due to cannabis, alcohol, and combined cannabis and alcohol use. The project included researchers from UNBC, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto, University of Victoria, and Dalhousie University. Callahan and his team are currently conducting a follow-up study to examine the impacts of cannabis legalization on traffic fatalities in Canada from 2010 to 2020. The results of this follow-up study should be available in the summer of 2022. And thanks again to Ken from the South Okanagan for sending me that link for that story from the University of BC about the fact that there has been no documented increase in traffic injuries after cannabis legalization. So my guest on the Cannabis Podcast today is a gentleman all the way on the other side of the country. I can't think of what time it might be for him then when we're recording this interview. He is the Territory Sales and Education Manager for Minova Medical, and they are in Nova Scotia. Mike Dolphin, welcome to the Cannabis Podcast. Gary, thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and uh, thank you for uh, taking time. Big fan for a long time. Uh, I never thought it would bring us together in this capacity, but it's an honor to be here. Oh, cool. I'm glad you came along for the ride. You must be, were your four hours different? It must be after 10 o'clock there. Yeah, we're just after 10 p.m., but, uh, you That's know. dedication. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> so give me your cannabis story, Mike. How did, how did you come to the cannabis world? Starting at the beginning, really, I had a, a very traumatic accident uh, involving burns as, uh, as an infant. So multiple surgeries throughout uh, my youth and formative years and uh, was looking for options to just kind of cope with some of the skin issues and uh, started getting into some butters and some topicals very early on. Um, and then, uh, you know, playing sports uh, for my whole uh, childhood and things like that, um, injuries and things like that. So uh, I always preferred an organic method uh, of treatment and uh, therapeutics and uh, was fortunate to be introduced at a young age and, um, and uh, yeah, grateful for it. 
Yeah. So you definitely came from the medical side. That's that was your first introduction to cannabis. Very much so. Yeah. Um, just uh, I worked was able to work for a company called NAC, which is National Access Cannabis, and uh, we did. A, I was a patient aggregate, uh, so we were. I was able to do a lot of uh, consultations with our in-house physician, and uh, it was wonderful to see the uh, the therapeutic uh, care that we were able to provide for patients. It is fascinating when you see that it, when it actually works, and, and and people get that satisfaction and that relief. That's fabulous, Mike. So give us the, the story of uh, Monova Medical. How long have you been there and, and what are you involved with in Nova Scotia? Uh, so as mentioned, I'm responsible for sales and education in the Atlantic provinces. Um, Monova Medical has existed since uh, shortly after legalization. Uh, it was a pre-existing medical facility located in Windsor, Nova Scotia. After legalization and the end of prohibition, um, our parent company, Cresso Pharma, uh, purchased the facility and created the recreational brand we know as Ritual Green. Okay, excellent. And Ritual Green, uh, as we're speaking about it, I happen to have a couple of samples from Ritual Green in my hand. Is there a story behind Ritual Green, the, the name perhaps, or, or how that came to be? Um, our rituals come down to artisanal craft methodology. Um, we really want to do the plant justice, the lineage, uh, and that really comes down to our processes. Uh, we focus on craft cannabis, and that means no automation uh, specifically when it comes to trimming and packaging. But also we do smaller amount of SKUs, but we try to do them as best we can. So we're into many batches, you know, 30 plus batches of both those strains that you have. Um, and it's all about the Terps, right? So as you said, you got 4% there and we continue to strive to provide those high quality experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And and the interesting thing is, as you know, having listened to many cultivar corners, I, I critique labels and, and what's on the labels and what's not on the labels. And, and you've given me a fabulous opportunity. So I'm going to suggest that the label I've got here for Lemon Haze is that's what you're going to be going forward with because that's showing me all the terps, right? Absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah perfect. We do back that variable data up on our website. So you can go to ritualgreen.ca and uh, enter your lot number and uh, both sets of variable data, THC, CBD, and terpene and original lineage and whatnot, you're going to have access to. Oh, that kind of transparency is fabulous. Excellent. Glad to hear you're doing that. And then we got THC at 28% on the lemon haze, which is your sativa dominant. Uh, so sales on that one has been pretty good? Very well. Yeah, it's uh, extremely popular in the summer. Um, and also our pre-rolls do exceptionally well. We do a, uh, a straight slim. So we've uh, kind of shied away from the tapered filter um, and gone so gone for more so of what you would potentially roll yourself. And that's how we want to uh, we want to provide our, again, our customers with the best possible experience and also an experience that they might uh, roll how they would roll their own. So we've uh, have tremendous uh, positive response for these new cones uh, from Futurola. Uh, again, with our high terpene, high potent flower, uh, hand trimmed, hand packaged. Um, you know, we're very we're very proud of that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the black mambo, which is the indica dominant, how has sales with that one been? Very well. Um, that's actually the strain that we were able to enter into the CNB Cannabis Cup two years in a row. First round was regional uh, and we received honorable mention. And the second round was a national competition, which we also placed with honorable mention. So again, uh, very proud of everything uh, that we do and all the hard work that goes into the facility. The entire staff is extremely passionate and very plant focused. So that's very cool to hear. It's an exciting industry when you get the passion of the people behind it, and then you develop a product and you get, you get the, the pride in that product as it releases. That's got to make you guys feel real good. Exactly. Yeah. Kind of warm and fuzzy, you know? So yeah, yeah. Uh, very, very, uh, um, very large sense of pride in our facility. Um, 
Yeah. So we'd love to have you down if you ever make it to the East Coast. Uh, we'd love to have you in for a tour. Yeah, well, uh, I've only been to Nova Scotia once. Uh, my wife's never been there, so maybe that's something that we'll, that we'll plan as a little trip. And, and if I do, I'll definitely give you a call because I'd love to take a peek at it. So you mentioned earlier, Mike, some of the uh, the, the processes that you uh, at Ritual Green and, and perhaps at Marnova have developed that, that kind of set you apart. Can you give us a, a sense of what some of those are? Without, uh, you know, releasing too much information, you could say, <laughs> of course, yeah, no, we just, we really want to f- listen to the plant, obviously, s- the smells, the tastes, the turp profiles, being consistent with our moms and our genetics so that we can dial in those strains and provide consistent quality. That is very, very much our focus is quality experience. Um, and that comes down to the work and the labor. You know, as we scale up, it gets more difficult to continue to maintain that quality, but that is our commitment first and foremost. And, uh, you know, that really comes down to, again, craft methodology, hand trim, hand package, small batch, whole plant, hang dry, uh, slow cure, everything like that. So we, uh, we don't want to rush our process because, you know, you're compromising, uh, you're compromising your quality, which means you're, you know, you're not doing justice to the plant, but also to your customer base. So that's, again, you know, that, that's our commitment, quality. Yeah, well, and, and that's a good commitment to, to hold forth because that's what everybody's after. So that's, that's fabulous. Where, where are you now? What provinces are you currently in? So we're currently in uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Ontario, Saskatchewan, and Yukon. And how have you found the different provinces and, and the different methodologies behind how they're going through the distribution? Has that been a challenge for you? Um, in certain capacities, uh, yeah. The flow-through model, bringing that back, uh, we've seen a lot, of, a lot of positive response from uh, the private retailers. Uh, first and foremost, uh, they're getting more product quicker, uh, and that's imperative Unfortunately, I uh, hear about uh, the strikes that are going on in BC. So that's uh, that's very, very difficult. Uh, you know, our hearts go to and we hope that uh, that situation is resolved very quickly. As far as uh, provinces, you know, they're all different, whether it's crown, private, anywhere in between access. You know, it just we need more, more, more consistent access. We'd like to see more options as far as like consumption spaces, cannabis tourism, really open up some of the spaces. For example, in Nova Scotia, when you enter a a cannabis retail store, it's going to look very different than one in Ontario or one in uh, New Brunswick, for example. We are 100% 100%, uh, crown here, so we don't have any private locations here in Nova Scotia. Okay, so it's all government. And and so they obviously handle their own distribution then. So that would be the same thing, a monopoly there too. Very much so. Um, so that's where like education is very, very crucial. So that's, you know, one of my major roles uh, within uh, uh, Ritual and Mernova is to go to these storefronts to hold uh, product knowledge sessions with their team members. Um, and I don't just educate them about products in general. I also educate them about cannabis. And that can be terpene profiles, individual terps, uh, the benefits of high terpene percentage versus low where your cannabinoids are stored, stored sorry, uh, even down to glandular trichomes, obviously craft processes, and uh, going far back as uh, land race and legacy genetics. Oh, that's really cool to hear. I, I'd like to hear more companies taking on that, that approach. That's excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Cannabis is community. Community is education. Education is evolution. So that's, uh, that's what we really like to put forward. What has been the most exciting thing for you since you've been uh, driving the Ritual Green brand that you've achieved to date, Mike? 
Um, by far, uh, the people I get to meet and the stories I hear, the people I engage with, um, and uh, not just the team members, but uh, members of their communities and just how much benefit uh, they have all received by the uh, end of prohibition and legalization of cannabis. Um, you know, people are healthier in certain capacities, happier in certain capacities. They feel free. And uh, that's that's really been it. For example, uh, you know, I received an email. A customer enjoys our products, uh, had a question um, and I responded to him. And uh, he when he responded to me, he said, um, by chance, uh, are you the son of a colleague that I used to work with very closely? And uh, certainly uh, I am that son and uh, I'll be meeting up with this individual in, in the near future uh, to uh, hear stories about my father that uh, I would not have heard had I not been in this industry. So it's very comfort, very much come full circle. Um, I'm extremely humbled and blessed by that to be a part of this wonderful industry that is so um new but not new um we know, all know cannabis has been here forever but we're all learning this industry together and just by far the people and and pe- meeting people like you gary so uh, i feel very fortunate very blessed yeah it, it's true and that, that's a great story thanks for sharing that one mike uh, and that's what i found too that it, it is about the connections the, the people that you meet that you might not have you know i mean sometimes somebody comes through the door or, or you walk into a store and you see somebody and yo there's that connection you make and yeah it, that's a real cool part of this industry that i i absolutely love so what are the future plans for uh, Ritual Green? Uh, do you have some some other um, phenotypes that you're looking to bring to market? We do. We do. Um, we currently have a, a couple other SKUs, actually, or sorry, other uh, strains out in other markets. Um, we've got Mac, We've got a MAC-1. We've got Grape Cream Cake. We've got a Mimosa. Um, we've done the HPG-13 in the past as well. Um, and Tropic Girl, and uh, we've got some other cultivars that we're building out in our mom room, and um, just really doing that proper pheno hunt because, uh, again, we you know we don't uh, have a large amount of SKUs out there, um, so we want to really make sure that when we do release one, it's a uh, it's very high quality. It sounds like you you guys are doing what you want to be doing, Mike, and that you're you're starting your venture across the country and into the, the provinces that you're in now, and hopefully before not too long you'll be in all of them. What do you hope to achieve? I forgot to mention um, we have uh, just released our uh, full spectrum one gram lemon haze vape. Oh, nice! Um, so this is uh, fully. Ex- extracted and distilled from our hand-trimmed lemon haze, which you have in your hand. So we've achieved roughly 83 to 86% THC and around 3.66% cannabis-derived terpenes. Um, so this is uh, this is a tremendous product. It's a it's a wonderful representation of our whole flower in a, in a one gram distillate vape. Sounds good. Do you have future expansion plans, Mike? So at Ritual, we have uh, basically three product lines currently, and that's going to be Ritual Gold, which is going to be our concentrates, Ritual Green for flower, and then Ritual Sticks for our pre-roll line. So we're looking at uh, getting uh, further into the concentrates, potentially some hash down the road, infused pre-rolls, uh, things of that nature. As we both know, this uh, this industry evolves every every single day. Every single day and, and faster than we could imagine some days. It's, yeah, it's astounding how it has been growing. The, the story uh, has been a fascinating one, Mike. I'm glad you shared it with me. It, it was definitely worth the conversation. And I look forward to sampling some of the product as well and, and seeing what you're producing out there in Nova Scotia. So thanks so much for taking some time. Anything else you'd, you'd like us to know about uh, Ritual Ormanova and many plans you have? Uh, greatly appreciated, Gary. Keep a lookout for us. We're going to continue that community engagement, keep producing that high quality flower. We're looking to represent uh, Nova Scotia in all provinces, coast to coast eventually. Scaling up will come without compromising quality.
And again, that is our that is our commitment and our focus. So when you see us do pop up in other provinces, you know that you're going to receive that same high quality craft cannabis that all other provinces receive as well. Excellent. Well, we look forward to it. And so now, Mike, it's time for the hot seat questions. Let's go. I'm ready. Your favorite cultivar? Um, I have to go back a little bit. Uh, that's going to be Jack Herrera. Okay, for sure. nice choice. Yeah, for sure. I smoked it in Amsterdam, uh, you know, about 10, 15 years ago. Cool. Um, hard to find, but when I do, I definitely, definitely keep it around. And uh, functional, clean, euphoric, uh, it just, it ticks all the boxes. Yeah, nice. That's a, that's a really nice choice. Edibles or flour? Uh, see, uh, I've, had, I've had so much benefit from RSO, so it's, uh, it's a difficult... But yeah, no flower for sure. Um, that's where it started and that's where it'll end. Okay. Joint or bong? Joint for sure. Blunt, any way you want to roll it, uh, I'm there. Whether it's on a skateboard or on a nice tray, anywhere in between. Nice. Excellent. And uh, since you are from Nova Scotia, this question may derive a different answer than, than some I have before. That's my traditional, what do you call three and a half grams? Uh, growing up, we uh, we didn't really buy an eighths or 3.5s. So it was always two for 20 or five for 40. Okay. Uh, but then working in the re- retail space, uh, predominantly it would be, uh, can I get 3.5? So, yeah. and then uh, how retail introduced that the, the, to, to your point. I mean, you, we out here, we used to buy a lid, you know, a lid was like two or three fingers and, and I think it was 50 bucks. Nobody ever talked about three and a half grams before legalization came along. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't agree more. And then, uh, you know, if you're buying an ounce, it was a zip. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, no, it wasn't. uh, It wasn't until I worked in the retail space where I heard three point five. I'd I'd heard eighth before and stuff, but it was not. It wasn't something that uh, we used here in Halifax or Nova Scotia in general. Yeah, I would agree wholeheartedly. Well, excellent. I'm glad we finally got an opportunity to meet virtually, Mike, and uh, you to share your story of ritual green cannabis. Thank you so much, sir. And it's late at night. It's probably time for you to head to bed. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, we'll have that little uh, tuck in puff of some black mama to say goodnight. But uh, thank you very much, Gary. It was a pleasure. And uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we, uh, we greatly appreciate all your efforts and your voice. Thank you very much, sir. Enjoy your night. You too. Take care. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Go to the corner. Welcome once more to Cultivar Corner, and we're heading back to the East Coast for our second from the folks at Ritual Green. This is Black Mamba. Now, you heard me talk about Ritual Green a little earlier in this episode with Mike Dolphin, and we're doing the the Black Mamba, which in terms of their labeling, is using the old format of the label. The Lemon Haze we did, the the file that I lost, (laughs) that did have very clear labeling on it, which included the terpenes, the total terps, and the terps inside. One thing they have carried on, though, uh, you can check out the lot number at ritualgreen.ca. And let me remind you of where you're going when you do that. You're going to the Crafted Batches page, and that's where you're going to be able to put in your lot number. And I did that for my Black Mamba. Let's talk about what we got here. Indica dominant, 25.2% THC. And now, as I said, the label I have does not have any of the terpenes on it, but that is available when I do the lot number on the website. And here's what I've got. Total THC, as I said, 25.3. Total terpenes, 1.92. 
And the terpene profile is including some limonene at 0.62, uh, alpha-caryophylline at 0.40, myrcene at 0.23, and beta-pinene at 0.15. So let's take a look at what the nose is. Mm. Now what do they say that the nose on this guy is going to have? Let me get the sheet about. Black mamba is a potent Heavy-hitting indica-dominant strain believed to be an exotic cross of mint chocolate chip and the cube. Black Mamba has dense, solid buds. I have to agree with that. They're really, really solid buds. Caked in trichomes that are purple and green in color. Let me pull up the jeweler's loop. Let me see if I can pick up any of those purple or green notes. Well, obviously the green I can pick up. <laughs> Let's put it this way. If I can't pick up the green, I have some problems. <laughs> Now, any of the purple notes? I'm not picking up a whole lot of purple in the bud that I'm looking at. It is very trichome-rich, though. Lots of glowing trichome fields in there. And they are very, very dense. So, this particular phenotype has a strong, unique aroma reminiscent of overripe mangoes and creamy, tangy yogurt that intensifies when given a tight, a light squeeze. So, now... I'm not really too sure what overripe mangoes <laughs> smell like. There's definitely some fruity tones in there. It's fairly abundant at 1.92% total terps. Mmm, very nice. Now, let's see what happens if I give this bud a little light squeeze. Okay, yeah. Little bit intensifying when you do squeeze it. Well, what's the important part of what we're talking about here? How is this going to work for me? <laughs> Black Mamba, again, the total THC range, 24 to 32. I am sitting at 25.2. Ah, I think it's time we gave this a try. The Crafty Plus is all ready to go. And in fact, why don't we take the first hit off the Crafty Plus this time, just to be a little bit different. This is Black Mamba from Ritual Green. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a really nice taste in the vaporizer. Might be some of that creamy, tangy yogurt I'm picking up on that, and maybe some of that overripe mango. Well, to do a proper two-fisted uh, <laughs> test of this, let me get the joint going, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, very smooth on the joint. Not feeling any need to cough. I got a nice bright white ash hanging on there nicely. Drops off very nicely too. So this is the first toke of the day for me today, which <laughs> I may regret later on that I'm starting off with what's considered to be a fairly heavy hitting indica. <laughs> Some more good weed grown out on the East Coast. Again, that joint tastes pretty good, nice and smooth. Let's get back to the vaporizer and get some of those flavor notes. I just love how much you can taste the flavor when you put the weed in a vaporizer. I can't stress that enough. If you still haven't given that a try, you really are doing yourself a disservice. <laughs> you should get out there and give it a try because it really makes the taste of the cannabis just delightful. Now, yes, you do have to change your smoking habits. Especially if you've been smoking a bong, moving from that to a vaporizer is going to be a really disappointing first experience, I suspect. 
So a cross of mint chocolate chip and the cube. Black Mamba with those dense, solid buds. Now, that was the only thing of uh, perhaps criticism I have to offer. And uh, this package was packaged back in March. So that's a little, little old in these days. Uh, but the weed has held up pretty well. I have to say it's uh, it's certainly not as dry and crumbly as some of the stuff that was packaged earlier in the year has been that I've done. Nice flavor notes on it. Nice looking bud. Again, I didn't pick up any of those purple notes as I as I squeezed it in through my jeweler's loop. I'm, I've broken the bud up a little bit more. Let me take a peek. Ah, oh, there's a couple of those purple elements. But more importantly, how is the endocannabinoid system reacting to this black mamba at 25.2% THC? I'm a fair number of tokes into it now. Both from the vaporizer, and in fact, I got to turn the vaporizer back on because I apparently let it go for a little bit, which I am wont to do sometimes as I, as I get into the high. This is going to be an interesting day. Today is actually harvest day, so after I finish uh, putting the podcast together for this week, and of course this cultivar corner, it's time to head outside, get the looper or get the clippers out, and chop those plants up. That's going to be my AK-47. They're coming out of the ground today. And I'll let you know what the end result of that. I, I do, as a bit of an aside, I have been sharing some of my space cookie, which has been curing now for about three weeks. Shared it with some of the folks at the store, and everybody's really pleased with it so far. Said it really tastes good and gave them a pretty nice bang. So I always appreciate those kind of reactions from the weed as we distribute it out there. Okay, sure, I am distracted a little bit. I do... <laughs> It's not like I don't go off on different tangents, and I think you know me well enough now to know that those tangents are likely to occur. And those tangents can definitely be triggered by the fact that my endocannabinoid system is now finding itself in a state of homeostasis. <laughs> There's the buzz. There's the happy eyes. A little bit of a euphoria there right now. Uh, really nice. I'm sure this is going to move into a bit of a body stone afterwards. Right now, I'm kind of hoping for that euphoria to get me some stuff done this morning. So, Black Mamba from Ritual Green. This is the second one from Ritual Green we've tasted. Uh, really enjoying the taste, doing some nice work out there in Nova Scotia. Black Mamba from Ritual Green, 25.2% THC. Mmm, maybe it's time to do a little dancing. And as I am sometimes inspired to do after recording a Cultivar Corner, I need to turn the microphone back on and say... This got deeper. <laughs> As that started to roll around in my brain, hitting my CB1 receptors, it got deeper. As I sat on it, probably I'm now about five, ten minutes after recording the initial piece, and it's come on gangbusters. I'm really, really buzzed. This is going to be a fun day today. It's coming on really strong. Lots of euphoria. And I know that it's going to eventually move into that body stone. Maybe not do an update on that because that could be a few minutes from now. But I, I do have to say I'm very pleased with the Black Mamba from Ritual Green. It's a nice high. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. This is the Cannabis Podcast. All right, we're going back in time to a discussion that I've been having with a number of people for a long time, probably the last three or four years. 
the whole concept of whether CBD is psychoactive or not. I got into a big debate, in fact, with the parent company at one point to say that they had some promotional material that said it was not psychoactive. And I said, uh, I kind of disagree with that. <laughs> and and I'm really glad to see that there's now more backup to the fact that, yes, it is psychoactive. It, it crosses the blood-brain barrier just like THC does. It has a different effect. It's not intoxicating, but it is psychoactive. And here's a story from 420intel.com that says, yes, CBD is psychoactive. Here's why. While all intoxicating and euphoric chemicals are psychoactive, not all psychoactive chemicals are intoxicating or euphoric. In the cannabis space, the words psychoactive, intoxicating, and euphoric are often used interchangeably. Going by that, it's common to hear the statement that unlike THC, CBD is non-psychoactive. But is this really true? To answer the question, it's important to first understand what the word psychoactive means. A psychoactive substance is a chemical that crosses the blood-brain barrier and hence gets into the brain and affects it in some way. Examples of psychoactive substances include caffeine, nicotine, alcohol, some analgesics, and marijuana, among others. As you can see, caffeine is psychoactive even though it doesn't give consumers that high feeling. Yes, CBD is psychoactive because it crosses the blood-brain barrier. The calming effects caused by CBD happen in the brain. If CBD was non-psychoactive, then it would not be able to offer anxiety relief and other higher center benefits. In the same way, caffeine will increase alertness without causing intoxication. No, CBD is not intoxicating, and neither does it cause euphoria. An intoxicating compound will cause changes in one's mental state and cause one to lose control of their thought process or behavior. A good example is how alcohol affects mental ability and behavior. A euphoric chemical will alter one's sense of reality and spatial and sensorial perception and trigger excessive emotional feelings. CBD is not a euphoric chemical. While all intoxicating and euphoric chemicals are psychoactive, not all psychoactive chemicals are intoxicating or euphoric. Both CBD and THC cross the blood-brain barrier, meaning that both are psychoactive. However, the two compounds interact with endocannabinoid receptors in the brain differently. When THC is consumed, it immediately floods the CB1 receptors in the brain and turns up the endocannabinoid tone. The presynaptic neurons are compelled to turn their volume and stop sending out regulating neurotransmitters. The overstimulation of CB1 receptors and downregulation of neurotransmitter release is responsible for the euphoric feeling in a very simplistic explanation. CBD, on the other hand, has a weak affinity for CB1 receptors. CBD binds weakly to these receptors and acts as a modulator. Some studies have shown that CBD is able to displace THC from CB1 receptors and therefore offset some of the intoxicating effects of THC. According to researchers from the University of London College, the more CBD that's present in a strain, the lower the brain impairment that will be caused by consuming the strain. So, CBD is psychoactive, but not intoxicating. CBD will not cause euphoria. THC, on the other hand, is both psychoactive and intoxicating. THC will also cause euphoria. Next time you come across the all-too-familiar cannabis lingo, CBD is non-psychoactive, you'll now have the chutzpah to draft a factual letter to the editor and correct the person who said that. And to finish this episode, I thought a flashback was appropriate. This came up in conversation with somebody just in the last couple of weeks. 
and it took me way back in time. This was back before legalization had occurred, back when I had a daughter who was, I think, probably 14 at the time. Yeah, probably 14 at the time. Too young. I totally agree that we should not be encouraging kids to smoke cannabis. It should be something that only adults do. This story didn't really involve her smoking cannabis. Well, I guess it did. Uh, but it was more the reaction of the parents to cannabis that this story is all about. <laughs> As you well know, at least you should if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I have been passionate about cannabis for all of my adult life. Basically, from the time I was 17 years old to now, I have become a proponent of cannabis, and I have never wavered in that. And if anybody ever asked me, in all of those times, whether I consume cannabis, I would always say, yes, I do, and provide any other answers that they wanted. Now, when you have, if, if you have ever been a parent, and especially a parent of a teenager, you will run into a circumstance where you may have differing opinions than the parents of your child's friends. Very different opinions than your parents' child's friends. <laughs> this story involved my daughter going with some friends. Now, I guess as a bit of background, the the father of the main friend involved was a minister at a local church. I won't name the church. I won't go any further than that. <laughs> But that does kind of play into the scenario. So they went to a drive-in, which, for those of you who are not familiar with them, <laughs> is a large outdoor screen where you watch a movie. There aren't very many of them around anymore. There does happen to be one in the North Okanagan, and that was the drive-in that they went to to watch a movie. <laughs> and then after they came back from said movie, we're now probably a couple of days later, I get a phone call from this minister, the father of the daughter involved, and he would like to come over because something happened at the drive-in that they think is important and they want to discuss it. I asked my daughter for a bit of heads up. She didn't provide any. Of course, what 14-year-old girl will set herself up if she doesn't have to? <laughs> and here we go. They showed up. Uh, arrived at the back door, we sat him down on the couch, and he basically jumped right into the fact that while they were at the drive-in in the last Saturday night, that my daughter, his daughter, and I think one other people, might have been two others involved, uh, had gone off and had consumed a marijuana cigarette that they had obtained through somebody at school for $10, and they wanted to know what I felt about that. Now, again, as a parent, a responsible parent, certainly we don't want kids doing cannabis, drinking, any of those kind of things until they're 18 years old. I got that. That's the way I feel. But when he made that statement to me, the first thing that went through my head was, they paid $10 for a joint? <laughs> so you see the, the different perspectives of of cannabis reality that, that was in said situation. And I think that family moved away soon after that. <laughs> so I never had a reoccurrence of it, sat down, obviously had a discussion with my daughter to make sure that she was clear on what the boundaries were. And if she had any questions, let's talk about it. Best to be upfront, in my opinion, with your kids. So there you go. Just a different perspective on different parents and their realities around cannabis 
And I wonder how that conversation would go if a similar thing happened today with legal weed. Interesting concept. I'm not sure exactly how that would end up. Once more, let me thank you for being here. I really thank you for being a listener of the podcast. I appreciate your support each and every time. And if you ever have a comment on anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. Remember, if you like what you hear and you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash Cannabis Podcast. And if you feel like it, you can buy me a doobie. Thanks for listening. That's it for episode 106 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out a major journey today on all major podcast platforms.